Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondercheck here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message by Pastor Howard will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. I'm uh, Howard Motz, one of the ministers here at Rosewood Church. I have the privilege of bringing the message this morning. Um, I I just want to explain, though, that... Uh, there's a difference between the two pastors. Um, I am not the pastor who lost in the championship round <laughs> of the cornhole tournament last Sunday night after bragging that they were going to take first place. You're the pastor that lost in the first round. <laughs> Second round. Second round after a very surprising win in the first round. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, actually, that's a good introduction to what we're doing right now is lamentations. Uh, we, we had a few of those uh, after uh, the event last Sunday night. No, actually, to be serious, uh, that's probably a good thing to draw the line at. Uh, we're, we're in a series of messages on the book of Lamentations, and you can see that the title is Collapse. And, and that's a good thing a good place to draw the line when you're talking about just the difference between being sorry, you know, like I'm sorry I didn't make it to the championship round and play with Pastor Austin. That would have been, that would have been great. Uh, I'm sorry that didn't happen, but I'm not lamenting. Lamenting is when you feel like you're going to collapse. That's when you know what lament is all about. And we are in the third, as I said, of a four-part series. And the first two words, which are next thing on screen, uh, describe the outline that Pastor Austin was using for his messages. Uh, The first message that he talked about was on holiness, God's characteristic of being holy. And the second was on goodness. Now, that was the lens in which we were looking at the book of Lamentations because To understand why there is so much suffering in the world, you have to understand, first of all, the nature of sin and then the nature of God's holiness and how God cannot abide by evil. That's not a part of his plan and purpose for the world. And so when evil is present, there needs to be change. Something needs to change. There needs to be a deliverance from evil for us to experience God's good. The next thing that Pastor, or last Sunday, that Pastor Austin talked about was the, under the characteristics of God, is goodness. And, and herein we gather the, the concept of how God has a plan and purpose for redeeming his world. Uh, you might recall that Pastor Austin said, uh, for Jerusalem, sin is the infection and captivity is the soap. Healing cannot happen until we acknowledge that there's something broken. And so Lamentations is, is a record of how 
the people of Israel went through this process of lamenting the fall of Jerusalem and the exile to Babylon and came to the point of repenting of their sin and finding that God's love and goodness was still present for them. And actually, the captivity in Babylon gave the people of Israel a chance uh, to repent and reorient their lives. And so you can boil the the first two messages actually down to two words, uh, lament and repent. Uh, When we find ourselves caught in sin, when we recognize that evil has been a part of our lives, what we lament what we have experienced and we repent of our sins. So lamentations is a, is a normal process of our journey of faith. It's uh, when we go through loss, when we experience that uh, pain, we discover also that God is at work within us using that sin and pain within our lives to turn us to him. And that's why Christians use the word conversion to describe this process because conversion means a turning, a turning, first of all, away from sin and then a turning to God in Christ through faith. So that's really descriptive of what the whole book of Lamentations is. This is painful turning of lamenting and repenting and recognizing that the only hope we have is when we return to God in faith. So last Sunday we learned that if you are caught in sin, you need to turn. You need to turn to God, repent, and then healing can come. And that's what the people of Israel need to do. That's what we need to do because we're all sinners and we all uh, find times in our lives where we feel very distant from God. And, And you know, if you feel distant from God, It's not because God has moved. It's because you have moved. But I, as I've been struggling with the book of Lamentations, I say, what do you do after you have lamented and repented? How do you make it through the tough times? How how can you deal with suffering in your life when you're not sure that it is the result of a particular sin or, or problem within your life? If you're like Job, uh, who experienced tragedy and loss for no obvious reason. What do you do then? How do you make it through the tough times? You can lament and you can repent, but then what? Now, the first two chapters of Lamentations don't offer a whole lot of hope. Uh, it's, it's this dark place of suffering and, and there doesn't seem to be much light at all. The, the verses are filled with pain and suffering and loss. And, and when you get to the third chapter, which we're looking at today, the third chapter of Lamentations, there's, there's seems like there's more of the same. In Lamentations 3, 5, and 6, uh, we read, He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. Have you ever felt like you might as well be dead? That's what Lamentations is all about. That's the way Jeremiah felt when he wrote these words. I might as well be dead. For him, life was like living in a cemetery. All darkness and loss and grief. No reason for hope. 
Well, reading through the book of Lamentations can be exhausting and, and depressing. It's not usually the most popular book in the Bible, and people turn to find some word of hope. Uh, but that's exactly what Jeremiah felt. Uh, look at what he says in, in verses 19 and 20, Lamentations chapter 3. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. And you may be saying, Pastor, please, please, can we stop this? You know, can we, let's flip to another book in the Bible. Uh, let's stop this stuff. It's so depressing. And then just when we need it most, right here in the middle of the book of Lamentations uh, is a word of hope. Listen to these words in Lamentations 3, 21 and 22 through 23. Yet this I call to mind and therefore have hope because the Lord's because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Well, it's like night and day. It's like a sunrise. It's like it's like finally there's a word of hope here. It's a new day. Fantastic. There is hope for us. God's love has not failed. His compassions are new. It makes you want to sing, right? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness every morning. New mercies I see. There is hope. So if there's hope, maybe we can keep reading in the book. So let's do that. Um, here it is. Lamentations 3, we're going to start again with verse 24. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Next slide. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a young man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. And then let's skip to verse 31. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Finally, we're talking about God's compassion and God's love. We can do more than just lament and repent. We can remember and then wait for his deliverance. Lament, repent, remember, and wait. I don't know if you, I was doing this a little self-consciously during our praise time because I had suggested a few songs for Lindsay to include in praise time. And I started counting the number of times the word wait came up in those songs. It's like, wait, wait, I think I lost count at 20. You know, I was like, wait, wait, wait. There's a, that, that's, that word gets, uh, fi uh, finds life not only the songs uh, that we sing, but in the Psalms and every place in Scripture. So this word wait, well, wait is not easy. It requires something that doesn't come naturally to us. It requires patience. Now, I want to tell you that patience is, is the one word that 
Pastor Austin gave me. Sometimes he'll, he'll uh, give me a little outline of, you know, the series and here's how it might develop and, and helps me out. But he only gave me one word, patience. And, you know, I think I got it wrong. I, I think because of the way the series developed, he, he was thinking, well, we've talked about God's holiness. We talked about God's goodness. Now we're going to talk about God's patience. And that would have made a wonderful sermon. It really would have. And I've got a proof text for it, too. It's a great passage in 2 Peter 3, 9. Listen to this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So this idea of God's patience is really part of God's grace. And it's good news that God is patient with us because if God wasn't patient, we wouldn't survive. And God is suggesting that the reason why this world, this broken world is continuing to exist, that Jesus is not coming again as soon as we would like him to, uh, is because of God's patience, not wanting anyone to perish. So here it is. Patience captures a key part of God's grace. But I was reading through chapter 3 of Lamentations, um, and, and I kept hearing that God wants us to be patient. And, and so that's the way the message developed for me, that, that really it's part of God's character, but it's a part of what God wants to give to us. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that God works in our lives, although it doesn't come naturally. Over time, we learn to be patient when we learn to follow God. We wait for God's deliverance because that's what faith is all about. So let's go back to that question. How can I make it through tough times? Uh, patience. <laughs> but, but you know, any parent can tell you this. Just saying be patient doesn't make it happen. Uh, it, it, it's something that we have to learn through painful experience. And uh, if it's a parent, you say, be patient, you know, the kids keep whining. And we say, be patient to ourselves, but we keep wanting things that we don't have. We keep thinking about the future and thinking we'll be better off if after this happens or that happens. Patience is not something that is easy to develop. So let's go back to those last few verses in Lamentations 3 to see if we can find out how Jeremiah managed to wait for God in the midst of his deep suffering and loss. And I was reflecting on that, and I, and I came up with three questions that kind of capture some lessons that he learned, three questions that are not easy questions to answer. In fact, they shouldn't be easy to answer they're questions that will help us think through how we can be better at waiting for God. So the first one is, is God enough for me? Again, that's a deep question, so it, I want the knee-jerk reaction. Of course God's enough for me. Think about it. Is God enough for me? Is God enough for me? 
that was the first temptation in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve made that decision that God was not enough for them. That's the point in which sin began when they believed, they were deceived into believing that there was something good that God was withholding from them and they needed to take action. They needed to take what is good because you were never going to get it from God. God was withholding his goodness. They were deceived in that moment. Let's, let's confess it, that we often face the same, same temptation and struggle with that. We, we want more than what God has provided. That was the sin of Israel also, wanting more, running after other gods. You know, if, if uh, it wasn't raining enough, you might want to consider worshiping the God of rain. Or if you're having trouble getting pregnant and having children, you might want to worship a fertility god. There were so many gods that have specific kinds of blessings in store, and so maybe going after other gods wasn't such a bad idea, and that's how Israel fell into sin and eventually experienced the fall in their captivity to Jerusalem. So that's a good question to ask, and it's a good question to ask yourself over and over again. Is God enough for me because it's the key to developing faith. Listen to what Jeremiah does with this um, in verse 24. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Now, when I think of the word portion, I think of food uh, and, and how my sisters and I used to argue about, you know, how much dessert you got at the end of the meal. We'd, we'd eye the other person's plate and to see if my portion was at least the same size as the portion that my sisters got. We think of that word as a fraction of the whole, as part, maybe a small part of what we could experience. I was talking with Kathleen, our interpreter, uh, before the service, and she said, how do you translate that thing, you know? Uh, it's, it's not a word that makes a whole lot of sense. The Lord is my portion. It's like the Lord is part of what I get in this life? And I was like, oh, that's, that's not what Scripture is saying. In fact, that Hebrew word for portion means inheritance. It means the whole of what God has for you. Uh, it's like, um, paraphrase of, of Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. That's the idea. The Lord is my portion. I have everything I need. So God is my inheritance. It's, it's everything that God has for me is captured in this word. And then you can think of uh, Genesis 25 and Esau, how he despised his birthright, his inheritance, and traded it full of bowl, bowl of stew. And that story probes our hearts too. We ask ourselves, how much is your inheritance that God has given you worth to you? Is God enough for me? That's, that's a question that I have used over and over to probe my faith. And whenever I start asking that question, I remember another story in the Bible of how Jesus had gone through some pretty tough teaching and, and, and most of the crowds were leaving. 
most of his uh, disciples were leaving. And Jesus looked at the 12 and said to them, will you leave me too? And after this kind of stunned silence, Peter says, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. So that first question that I think we need to probe our lives to develop patience is, is God enough for me? There's a second question, and you can find this in, in verses 25 and 26, even in verse 27. It's, the second question is, what's good about waiting? So you can't see this in your English translation of the Bible, but in the Hebrew, uh, these are verses 25, 26, 27. This is what it reads. Good is the Lord to those who wait for him. Good it is that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Good it is for a young man to bear the yoke in his youth. So you can ask yourself, what's good about waiting? And let that question sit a little bit. What's good about waiting? What can you gain if you wait? What can you lose if you don't wait? Isaiah was another prophet that lived during the uh, dark days when the Assyrians took over the Palestinian state one after another. It, he wrote powerfully about waiting for God's deliverance and gave us another picture of God's grace. Listen to these. I think those will be familiar verses in Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up like wings, mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. There's that phrase. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. You might have heard that in one of the songs we sang too, that imagery of an eagle. Here it is that, that we will be like eagles. In other places, it's that God is like an eagle that comes beneath us and holds us up. But here it is. They shall mount up like, with wings like eagles. Um, my, my wife and I like to watch nature programs uh, before we go to sleep at night, so late in the evening. During on a nature program, and, and we watched a whole series of Dr. Oakley in Alaska and how, how many times they were rescuing eagles. And there's nothing more exciting than after rehabbing an eagle and then letting that eagle go and watching those wings spread and the eagle mount up and take off. It's just a stunning sight. So what's good about waiting is that we develop the strength to mount up like on wings like eagles and soar above the things that were holding us back from being the people that God has created us to be. We can find out not only that we are not in control of our lives, but that we never were and that it's God's strength that allows us to live. First two questions, is God good enough for me? Or God is God enough for me? And the second is, what's good about waiting? There's one more. It's the third question. What have I learned from past experience? 
Now, Jeremiah, he's writing, he, he, he seems to be speaking from personal experience. He said, it's good for a man to bear the yoke while he's young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Jeremiah was, was observing that a person uh, who has learned to bear suffering when they are young is far less likely to give up when suffering comes in old age. But it's true for all of us, isn't it? We had to learn patience when we were young. My sister teaches first grade, and she tells us stories about uh, at the beginning of this year and how much of what she was doing was just teaching the kids to wait, you know. Wait for your turn. Wait in line. Sit quietly at your desk while the teacher gets ready to present. Waiting is, is a huge part for little kids when they begin school, they have to learn how to wait. So we have to learn how to wait. And Jeremiah says, you know, it's good to have those kinds of experiences when you're young and you learn some things, some valuable lessons. And one of them is that nothing lasts forever. Uh, he, he writes that in verse 31. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion so great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly afflict, bring affliction or grief to anyone. So we got three questions that I think will help us to understand this process of learning how to wait. And it's all about learning to wait with God. At no surprise, that I'm going to give a book recommendation because I do that a lot. <laughs> Somebody asked me a question. Hey, I got a book that you could read, but this, this book I brought along this morning because I thought it was important enough for those of you who are in the middle of suffering and lamenting, you feel like you're going to collapse. There is nothing better that I've read than this book. It's called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Timothy Keller. And he himself had gone through significant loss in his life and and suffering uh, prostate cancer, is still struggling with that. Um, and he, he gives us a, a very good sense of what it is to walk with God in pain and suffering and why that's important. And I just want to read one thing from the book. Uh, Timothy Keller writes, but we also learn from this story, the story of scripture, that God is with us in the fire, that this is a metaphor that means that he knows what it's like to live through the miseries of this world. He understands. It means that he is near, available to be known and to be depended upon within the hardship. He walks with us. But the real question is, will we walk with him? And I would say that the only reason why you would choose to walk with him is if you were convinced of his goodness, that if you could say, God is enough for me. Throughout his life, uh, Thomas Chisholm wrote hundreds of poems. Uh, he wanted to be a minister, but he had poor health and was often restricted in what he could do, so he had to restrict his involvement in ministry, but he loved to write poetry, and so he wrote hundreds of poems, literally. There's one he wrote uh, that was based on these verses, no surprise, in case you haven't picked it up already. 
uh, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And so he set these words to poetry, and a minister friend, William Runyon, wrote the music for the poem. And you know this by heart, probably. We've got the first verse on screen. And we're going to sing it, but just look at the words now before we sing. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. They fail not as thou hast been. Thou forever will be. So what are your options here when facing suffering? You lament the loss. You repent of sin. You remember God's goodness. And then you're able to wait, to wait for the Lord and to experience the deliverance that he has for you. Let's pray together. Father God, this has been difficult. Lamentations are difficult to read. It reminds us of some painful experiences that we've had in life and things that we'd rather avoid. And, and Lord, going through lamentations isn't exactly a faith builder for many of us because we get caught in the pain and, and the questions. And, and it's hard to believe in your goodness in the midst of suffering and loss. But it's when we hang in there, Lord, we've learned from Jeremiah, when you hang in there, when you not only lament and um, repent, but you remember. You remember how God has been good to you in the past. You remember how God is there for you. Uh, even when we don't know that he's present, he's there for us, Lord. And then, then Lord, then we can wait. We can look to you and trust and understand that, that we are not alone. So, Lord, I pray for your blessing on the people gathered here. For those who are lamenting, those who are dealing with loss right now and, and, uh, and wondering if they'll make it through. Those who might even be saying to themselves, it would be better if I were dead. Lord, help us to look to you and to experience uh, this lifting up that, that we will be like the eagle that mounts up with these newly strengthened wings and is able to find again um, the strength to soar above the pain and suffering of this world. Lord, for all those suffering and all those wondering uh, we pray, Lord, that your presence would be real to them in this day and that we may all confess that God is good enough for me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.